Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello, and welcome to an episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 95. How are you girls doing? We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Uh, hi, guys. How are you doing? I Hello. actually... Am like just ready to drink some beer. Me too. Honestly, <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm so ready. I was telling Jen uh, when you went to go get the beer uh, for the segment that I was like, I've had a day. I wanted to start drinking way before now, but I was like, I can't. I can't begin the podcast, Tipsy. <laughs> I mean, you perfectly can. Will you be coherent? Is another thing. <laughs> Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. I have been on Zoom because we are actually doing uh, the Nueve Dias, uh, a rosary mm -hmm. um, oh, for, yeah. uh, for my uncle, but we're doing it via Zoom. So we are socially distancing and everything. Um, mm -hmm. uh, as the girls now know, my, my uncle passed away of COVID on December 10th. Uh, he had had symptoms for three weeks. And he oh, did wow. not, he did not want to go to the hospital. Um, in the mm. end, my cousin called the ambulance to take him to the hospital oh, wow. and he was still awake and everything. And, um, she told us what he said to her, um, mm. sad stuff. Well, not, I mean, he was like, I mean, I could see him saying those words is what I'm saying. Um, but, uh, what happened was his, when they x-rayed his lungs, his lungs were so damaged from the COVID that, uh, they said, we are going to have to intubate you. And he agreed. He, they, they said mm -hmm. that he was talking and everything. Um, mm -hmm. so then they went to medicate him and start the intubation process, uh, for the respirator, uh, ventilator, yeah. um, that his heart stopped and oh. then they tried to revive him, but he, they could not, his heart just um gave out he yeah. had um he had diabetes and he had some issues with his health but i mean he was still hard working he was the main breadwinner in his home he was a um a swap meet vendor so that's what he did for a living and he went to, went to different swap meets to sell um the stuff that he had and that's how he supported his family um hmm. most of his kids are out of the state to our Arkansas are in Arkansas and one is in um um Georgia Atlanta Georgia so mm -hmm. uh his youngest daughter who took care of him she took really good care of him she would make him soups every day and try to you make you know trying to mm -hmm. nurse him back to health yeah and um And so she started to go fund me. And um, so hopefully uh, we don't know what the services are going to look like because of COVID. Uh, we don't know what the um, standards are for California as far as releasing a body that was infected with COVID. Yeah. We don't know any of that. Um, she's actually going to have a meeting with the mortuary to see what, uh, what are the permits they need because they need certain permits for viewings and a limited amount of people. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of rules right now. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, I think we're, we're looking at laying his body to rest at the end of the month uh, wow. of December. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also, 
uh, like for instance, uh, there's Inglewood Park Cemetery. They actually have like a two week or three week wait for services because wow. there's so much going on right now. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was looking at a report from the LA Times and it seems that the death rate in Los Angeles has increased, in, or I think in California in general, has increased by 20%. Not all of it due to COVID, but a lot of it due to the people when they feel sick or they're injured now, they're afraid to go to the hospital yeah. because they're afraid that they're going to contract COVID there. Right, yeah. So it's just, even even if you don't have the disease it's or the sick, uh, the sickness, the virus, whatever, uh, it, uh, it still affects people in that way. Mm -hmm. I know my dad wasn't feeling too well and I kept telling him that he needed to go to the doctor, uh, but that was just his diabetes acting up. Okay, and, but he didn't want to go to the doctor. It took me two weeks to convince him to go to the doctor. Yes, it's a, uh, it's tough right now, and I'm very sorry about your uncle. And it's because like, it's it's sad when it happens, and the fact that his life was cut short due to the sickness. Yeah. Um, so my condolences to you and your family, Sarah. Thank you. I. Uh... Mm -hmm. I know that in the past episodes before I said that uh, there was somebody who went to go visit my aunt. He he was the one who visited my aunt and they embraced. Um, that was the last time she actually embraced yeah. him. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. we found out of his diagnosis. But he actually didn't know when he went to go visit her. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, he was the one who had it. And I didn't want to say anything because, you know, like, I guess it's really mm -hmm. taboo to have it right now. So, yeah. and to just tell people, because, you know, you obviously get treated differently and, you know, they, um, you know, you get funny looks or whatever. So I just didn't want to mention it. But now that um, it actually may help somebody else, because I yeah. remember when I had a pneumonia in January, I waited 12 days before I actually went to the doctor. Oh, and wow. and they said, if you would have waited another three days, we would have had to hospitalize you. So that mm -hmm. having lived that myself and then having that be the reason my uncle's not with us today for having waited too long and i understand why he did it you know he didn't want to burden the family with like medical bills uh or something i mean he was already off of work for three weeks because he was mm -hmm. sick and then so like mm -hmm. incur more bills and stuff like that. So yeah I, I can completely understand why he waited so long but i'm telling you right now right here right now please don't wait yeah. Mm -hmm. Please don't wait because your life is more important than medical bills. So, and you know, you never know. I mean, there may be some new ordinance where they may pardon your debt or whatever. I don't know. I just don't wait is what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's what's happening in my life. So <laughs> I'm like, uh, way to bring, way to bring it down. Right. <laughs> oh my God. But you yeah. know what? And I was just upset because I couldn't win around on a video game today. F. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? He was a wonderful, happy person. So, like, I want us to be happy and, you know, yeah. to mm -hmm. enjoy life. Because now we know it's, super, well, we've always known it's super precious. But when it hits you like this, you're like, damn, I really should enjoy my life a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that every single one of us are starting. I mean, Jen, you had... Uh, death of uh somebody close to your family very early on um yes. and i i don't have any um anybody who um died but 
I have a uh, first cousin of mine actually contracted it. His uh, mother and father contracted it, um, who is, uh, his mother is my mom's first cousin. And um, this was also early on, and they all were hospitalized. He is in his late 20s, uh, and he started to get better. Oh. And um, just out of nowhere, he totally went the opposite direction he ended up having a stroke oh my god and he mm -hmm. he to this day is still in rehab he had a stroke so um it's affecting everybody more closer to home i think it's very easy for a lot of people to dismiss it and and uh say that it's not that it's not that big of a deal and well most people get better um but i think more and more people are are starting to experience some of the yeah the more seriousness of this disease of this virus um a lot mm. more now and hopefully that wakes people up because we still have a long way to go to get people to comply to the ordinances of mask wearing and social distancing and it's just um going to get worse if people don't start to listen so thank you mm. for sharing your story Sarah I yes do, thank you Sarah I do think that um, it's valuable to hear other people's experiences um, moving forward because it, it, it's education is important so thank you oh I absolutely agree I mean um, just on I believe on Wednesday or Tuesday, something like that, my boss said that the office that she works in was closing for 15 days because one of the employees came in sick and her daughter was sent home suspected of COVID. She went to work. She infected another coworker. And now she's, they closed the office down for 15 days. And the lady who brought the COVID into the office, she is now in the hospital as well. Wow. So wow. like it's it's I'm not saying it's not close because it feels like it's upon me. Like I feel like oh my god, it. Uh, like I'm so terrified uh, now because just there's yeah. so many so many people around me are like telling me these stories and they're su super close and I just like, um, it's it's real guys. Please 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 wear your mask. I know uh, it, they're uncomfortable, but please make the effort or find one that's good for you. I mean, there's one that's shaped like a duck bill that, that, <laughs> that I, I mean, it's super cool because it has enough room for you to breathe and move your lips. So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, find what's good out there for you guys. Uh, take that extra time to shop what's best for your mouth and your face. And even, you know, behind your ears, you know, some, some of them have those little strings that, um, so that it doesn't just uh, rub against the back of your ear. I mean, there are mm -hmm. so many different styles out there. There's no reason not to have a mask on and definitely wash your hands. Um, I, I don't know. I just, it's so important, guys. The numbers are not going down. This is definitely, we're like in the thick of it right now. And I feel, please, please take it seriously. Some people I see with their kids out there walking and they have masks on, but their kids don't. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, kids aren't immune. You know, like so. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm telling this story because I want you guys to know that it's really real. It really happened to me, um, and it hurts like fuck, you know. And yeah. just please be careful, guys. 
we want the numbers to go down. We really appreciate you as an audience. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's that's my story, guys. And I think, I think it's time. It's time, Kristen. Oh, yeah, after that, it is definitely time. <laughs> so we are going to kick off this episode with La Hora de, de la, la Cervecita. All and right. Today we have a Citra Double IPA um, brewed by Kern River Brewing Company. Um, that is over the mountain here in California where good old Bakersfield is located, <laughs> Kern Valley. I don't so, know if I would call Bakersfield good, but <laughs> So it says, this beer is all about the hops. Citrus, mango, and pineapple aromas abound, but make no mistake, there is no fruit here, just a serious dry hop regimen of citra and amarillo hops. We put in just enough malt backing to balance out the flavor, but Citra Double IPA is as close as it gets to chewing on a hop vine. Enjoy mm. this one fresh, at least while you can get your hands on it. So that means, that sounds to me like this is a, um, uh, it says at least while you can get your hands on it. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming that it was some kind of like um, just seasonal beer that they don't always brew. Well, it looks like this beer, um, at the Great American Beer Festival, it, 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 it got Brewery of the Year in 2019. Oh, wow. And then also in 2011 was the gold medal winner at America, American Beer Festival uh, Imperial IPA category. And let me tell you, I bought this four pack, right? And this is why I bought it. There was a gentleman in front of me at the Torrance Beer Cellar, and he went straight for that four-pack, and he got two of them, and he took them up to the counter, and I was like, well, <laughs> what's so special about this? This guy comes and takes two four-packs, you know? And so uh -huh. I was like, that's kind of big. You know, you sometimes want to, like, sprinkle different ones in your four-pack selection, but he went right for two four-packs of this. So I looked at it, and I was like, oh, uh, award winner, huh? All right. Well, I'll take one four pack. So I took it home and then I had it on the counter for a while. And then obviously my brother saw it or whatever. He didn't say anything. I put it in the refrigerator finally. And then I took it to you guys. Mm -hmm. And then my brother one day says, uh, hey, do you have that Kern River uh, four pack? Um, I'll give you some monkish for two. And I was like, <laughs> oh, and I go, oh, oh, well. It really interests you, huh? He goes, yeah, man, I really want to taste it. And I was like, I'm sorry, I already I already gave them to the girls. There's no more. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then I said, okay, well, do you want me to go look to see if 310 has it? And he goes, yes, please. So we went on kind of a little scavenger hunt for it, but it is no longer available. Oh, okay. So I guess it's a popular brew that whenever yeah. it comes out, it just gets snatched up. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we'll have to keep our eye open. And it says that they are located in Kernville, California. I've never heard of Kernville, California, but it sounds dinky and um, <laughs> <laughs> and rednecky. And <laughs> it sounds like a tumblebee and, is passing through the yeah. street. <laughs> And everything that the Central Valley um, is made up of. So, and I can say that because I grew up there. 
<laughs> so I I open it. I have to tell you, I really enjoy trying different things, and I know we've had some hit and misses over the last couple of tries. But I have been missing me some IPAs. Yes. <laughs> absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. And opening this and smelling it, my mouth just starts to water. I oh, haven't yeah. tasted it yet, but, um, and double IPAs at that. So um, I'm looking forward to trying it. And I, uh, I, I hope it's yummy because, um, it's 8%. And honestly, I'm going to tell you, even if it's not, I'm drinking the whole effing thing because it's been <laughs> that kind of day. <laughs> Absolutely agree. I agree 100%. Um, I tasted it and I like it. Um, it. It's not out of the refrigerator, so it's not super cold, but it's a cold day, so it's actually perfect. Mm -hmm. um, tasting it, the smells are super fresh. I, there's no like lingering bitterness at the end. Um, and it's super fresh and it, it tastes really citrusy to me. But I really like it. Yeah, I agree with you. The hoppiness at the end is very um, mild. It doesn't overpower. It doesn't overwhelm. Um, it is very citrusy and it is the flavor... Oh, I'm lying. It came upon me. <laughs> and, um, as I was talking and my tongue was touching the roof of my mouth, the hoppiness hit oh, me. Oh, yes. It yes. wasn't overwhelming, yeah. but it's there. Yeah, and it's um, not bitter either. It's not the yeah. bitter, bitter one. Yeah. Yeah. So, but at the forefront, um, the taste of the fruit is all there. Um, it's very mild tasting for an IPA, a double IPA at that. Um, there is that, like the more I talk, I think the more I talk and the more air gets into my mouth, the more I can taste that like orange rindy taste kind of, mm -hmm. which I do not like. But, <laughs> um, but the beer up until that point is actually pretty flavorful and good. Yeah, yeah, okay. I really like it. Go ahead, Jen. All right. Um, I do not like it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I. You keep saying that you taste the citrus. All I taste is hops. Huh? I can only taste hops. That's Interesting. The, I, that's it's all I taste, and I am. Um, I like when it said like uh, it's as close as you can get to chewing on a hop line. <laughs> that's true, and you know what? <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> It's not that it's bad. It's just it's really hoppy to me. I uh -huh. and I don't I I don't know why. I think whatever mm -hmm. it is that orange rind taste that you can like I can taste it a little bit, but I think instead of tasting the orange rind itself, it uh -huh. just emphasized the hoppiness, the hoppy taste uh, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not with it. Yeah. I mean, I'll drink the whole thing because one, it's a gift, and two, no one else in this house is gonna drink it, so <laughs> I might as well. And it's not as bad as. Uh, as some of the other beers we've had, it's a, it's it's drinkable. Oh, by the like, end, you'll mm. love it. <laughs> I mean, sure. That's, <laughs> that's the uh, benefits of drinking a double IPA. <laughs> yeah, by actually, the end, yeah. they're all by the amazing. End, <laughs> by the by the end, it won't matter. But I'm I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a very startling reminder that I. 
of my initial days of drinking beer, and that was that I don't like IPAs. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. A lot. I didn't either when I first started drinking beer. I couldn't stand IPAs. I was like, oh my god, this is so horrible. But over time, I started to appreciate the subtleties. I mean, uh, not gonna lie, when I first drank wine as a young twenty-one-year-old, I hated it. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna share this tidbit of horrible information, but my grandmother and my mother used to order red wine and put sugar in it. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah. And no. as, oh my god! A, as a kid, I thought that's just no. how you drink wine. <laughs> no. Wow. So did you take that knowledge to college? No, because I didn't start drinking wine until like my probably like i i would drink more like fruity hard liquor drinks and like uh bad like rolling rock and that kind of thing mgd (laughs) (laughs) but um i started drinking wine probably my Mm mid-20s and i started with like the uh white Zinfandel, like the things that everyone starts with when you're you're young and you don't know anything about wine, the pink rosés, <laughs> like that kind of the stuff that is sweet. Yeah. And then yeah. as I started drinking more and going to wine tastings, your palate starts to evolve. Develop. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so now I love cabernets. Like at the t- at, like in the beginning you would never get me to drink a cabernet. And mm. same thing with beer. Like in the beginning I was only drinking pilsners and lagers um and wheats and drinking IPA was like the only reason I would drink IPA it was to get a bang for my buck because the ABV was so high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. But I went to lots of beer tastings, and I had more um, experience of different um, uh, flavors and different varieties and stuff, and I started to appreciate the differences, and that's when I started enjoying IPAs a lot more. So, uh, so yeah, <laughs> it is definitely uh, an acquired taste, that is all to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I, oh gosh, I, I love me some uh, IPAs. Double IPAs are my jam. Um, I love oh, the hazies bitterness. Hazies are so good, too. Oh, I know. I've and, learned to appreciate hazies. I yeah. like I like most of the hazies uh, uh, we bring. But this mm-hmm. one is just, it's not it for me. Uh, no, and I, I totally get it. Um, I actually love uh, orange and citrus are some of my favorite fruits. Um so I mean I used to be the little girl who sat on on uh, the wall of my house and uh, we had this like um, lemon tree and I would climb up there with my salt shaker and just sit there and peel them and just, <laughs> just eat like four yep. lemons in one sitting I mean wow. that was like my that was like oh that was one of the, my favorite things to do my best friend eats lemons like that and oh so good mm-hmm. when I first met her and I first saw her doing that, I was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> You're a monster. Yeah. And then she would go nice. to the, the liquor store and buy a little bag of saladitos and put them in the lemon oh, yeah. and just lick it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it would like make me cringe. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's, that's so funny. Cause that's a, it's, that's a, that's straight up a SoCal snack. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. You, you, cut, my, my nephew cut the lemon in half, put mm-hmm. salt or the saranidos, you bite mm-hmm. into it or you squeeze it and then just suck the juice out. Ooh. That's tasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're the, we're the people that puts like... Uh, uh, chili powder and and salt on our fruit. On their fruit. Yeah. Okay. So I get so embarrassed when I go to order fruit um, at the little carts because I have to ask. They always ask me, "Do you want everything?" And I always have to tell them no chili because Eddie is usually with me and he doesn't like chili on his fruit. And they always give me the side eye, like, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> and I feel like I have to tell them. Like, like, put my my hand up and whisper. My husband is white. <laughs> you just just point to him if he's with you. Just point to him, and they'll understand. They won't judge you. Oh my god! Oh man, that's super awesome. Anyway, um, I think we're. Uh, I'm feeling really great with this beer. Like, it's making me like nice and warm and loosey goosey. Uh, are we ready? Are we are we ready to? Oh yeah. It? I'll give it that. I'm very warm now. <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, just to remind everybody, we have a beer rating system that is a five-point system with one out of five being flaccid, two out of five initial, three out of five a partial, four out of five a full, and a five out of five is a rigid with a six out of five, something that is super amazing. We cannot live without it. Super Saiyan. So, uh, Sarah, what would you like to rate Citrus um, Double IPA? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Rigid. Um, I think I don't know. Wow, if it's, you're going I, with Rigid. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's. I don't know if it's because I miss Double IPAs in the last two, um, in the last two or three uh, 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 Hora de la Cervecita reviews. Um, but it just, it's really hitting the spot. It's perfect for, for this weather right now. Uh, it's not cold or hot. I mean, it's just perfect. Um, it, it, it feels like this is the, the type of holiday tea I need in my life right now. <laughs> yes, uh, definitely. Like I said, I was missing some, we hadn't done an IPA in a while and I was actually fine with that. Over the summer, I stopped drinking IPAs because I don't know if it was my old age or what, but it was they were sitting so heavy in my in my stomach, and also I it might have had something to do with the fact that this summer was so freaking hot. Oh yes. Um, oh yeah. And drinking an IPA, the first drink might be refreshing, but after that, like the ABV so high, your blood pressure starts going higher, your your temp- body temperature gets higher, and um they're and they are heavy beers. Yeah. And so I actually stopped drinking them because they were um, upsetting my stomach. Um, so it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we were tasting a lot of different types here that weren't uh, IPAs. And so um, I think definitely this was a good one to come back to. <laughs> and for me, I'm not going all the way rigid, but I am going to give it a four out of five. I'm going to give it a four. Cool. Right on. Very nice. So this is Jen. And I've been enjoying the different beers we've been tasting, especially the Porter's. And stouts. <laughs> <laughs> I have found my niche. Um, uh, but, uh, I mean, now that I, at this point, now I'm drinking it because it's making me feel warm. So, you know, <laughs> there we go. I'll give that to IPAs. They make me feel warm and they give me the good buzz. Yes. So, um, 
I'm going to give it an initial. Because I can see uh, people who love IPAs and who love, like, the hoppy taste, they'll love this. It's mm. absolutely up their alley. It's just, it's not really my thing. I can appreciate hops, um, uh, but if they're more subtle, at least to me subtle, this is this just straight tastes up like hops, so I'm not super <laughs> into it. But I can see how someone who, like, who really likes IPAs and who likes the hoppy taste would be super into this beer. Like a white boy. Uh, a white boy would love this. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you guys as well, it seems. <laughs> so there you have it for Kern River Brewing Citra uh, Double IPA. We have a 5 out of 5, a 4 out of 5, and a 2 out of 5 rating. It's all across the board, guys. All right, guys. Now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. And I have some good chisme. I, I feel this is good chisme. Um, Oscar Isaac is going to play Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid movie. And if for those of you that don't know what Metal Gear Solid is, bleh, it's, the, it's the beer talking. It's... Um, <laughs> It's a video game that actually launched as a home computer game in 1987. Oh my now, gosh, mm-hmm. yes. there were computers in 1987? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then it, it went to PlayStation, I believe. Um, so as everybody knows out there who listens to us, they know that me, Sarah, I do not play video games. The only game I love and for forever love is Tetris. But I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a video game player but i am a video game watcher and my brother who is a gamer he played uh, metal gear solid and that storyline was freaking amazing so much hell yeah it's hideo kojima he he made his name with that game like it's it's good (laughs) yeah and it's going down in history because that game was so amazing oh my god i would sit there for hours while my brother played just to get the storyline and uh, yeah and it was so good um so much so that i know the end and i'm not gonna say anything about it because it's so good it's just oh my god i mean is it a spoiler if the (laughs) video game has been out so (laughs) so fucking long like even I knew about Metal Gear, like, before, like, before I even ever played it. So it's just, it's, it's, the game is good. Uh, it's very iconic. It, but I don't know the ending, so mm-hmm. can I play it on my <laughs> PS4? <laughs> I'm not, you know, um, I'm not sure what the what the new reincarnations have been, but we're getting a movie, so I'm I'm really excited about that, and it's Oscar Isaac, so I'm like, yes, it's gonna be awesome. You know, Oscar Isaac has the ass to pull off Solid Snake, mm. so you know what? Perfect casting. <laughs> yes. Solid Snake. Snake. It's not the ass that I think that <laughs> that name refers to. <laughs> no, I... Okay, so... Alright, so on the internet, there is a meme about Solid Snake and about uh, him... The meme goes, is him trying to sneak around, but he can't because the clap of his ass cheeks is too loud. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because, he, because he's so dummy thick. <laughs> and it's just, like, me and my friends quote this thing all the goddamn fucking time. Like, the, like Solid Snake is, like, a cool character, and he's, like, he's super rad. But 
even in like PlayStation, old PlayStation graphics, my boy had a very nice ass. And they made sure <laughs> that you knew it was a very nice ass. <laughs> so that is why I mention it. <laughs> Jeez. I ain't going to be hitting up the Pornhub. I'm going to be hitting up the Metal Gear. <gasps> oh, my God. You know what? Oh, you, oh, Thank you for bringing that up. I am so going to do that. I, I'm, I'm, sure there's, there, I'm sure there's a lot of parody porn out there, and I'm all here for it. I'm here for it. Oh, my God. Because you know what? I mean, oh, my God. I know he was a video game, but damn, was he hot. Like, and in his voice. Oh, my, I just, oh, dude. Dude. I, it was such I'm a, dying right now. I'm like a, legit dying. <laughs> Especially since you understand, Sarah. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, I'm the last person who would know about video games, but this one, this one, and um, uh, uh Resident Evil had really great storylines. The movies did not reflect Resident that, Evil, but uh, oh yeah, the video games. We don't talk about the movies. Yeah, we don't. We don't. No. We don't. Talk I mean, about I movies. I love Mila, but oh. God, mm-hmm. did it go so wrong so many ways, so many times. But yeah. but I'm ready for Metal Gear. I just, uh, oh, I'm so excited. Oh, my, my expectations are super low. But I'm like, I will see it just for Oscar Isaac in a skin tight suit. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Um, so, and it's That's just it. so That's cool. That's all I need. Yeah, exactly. And it's so cool. I mean, it, it's a game from like the eight, 1987 and it, it, it was on PlayStation in 1998. Uh, and mm. it follows, uh, it's a solid snake, a soldier who infiltrates the nuclear weapons facility to neutralize the terrorist threat from Foxhound, a renegade special forces unit. I don't know how else to explain it. It's freaking awesome. I can't wait. Uh, I don't know when they're going to start filming the movie, but I'm so happy they cast him, and I can't wait for it. So that's why it's my chisme today. And um, I know that, uh, Kristen, you have some chisme of your own. Oh, yes. I have a couple of chismes. Um, One of them was something that Eddie sent me today because he knew I would be all about it. (laughs) Um, And I'm not sure. Let's see. When was this article written? It was written one days ago. <laughs> one day ago. When, nice. It says right here, one days ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One days ago. Numero uno, numero uno. Um, but ScreenRant.com, one days ago, wrote it, wrote it, wrote, <laughs> wrote that... Oh, stop, you're killing me. <laughs> um, Guardians of the Galaxy number nine, the comic now we're talking about... Um, has confirmed that Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, in case you didn't know, is bisexual. Now, I'm not even going to lie. I got tingly saying those words out loud. So (laughs) I'm going to check to see if we have this issue, and I'm going to take it and read it. Um, like how Sarah sets up her her bedroom with a lot of candles and sexy music. Set the mood. But uh, writer Al Ewing and artist Juan Cabal, who I think is Spanish, I'm not sure, um, and colorist Federico Blee, 
Um, uh, let's see. They are writing this story, and it, it goes on to tell you actually what happens in this issue. But basically, Star Lord is in some other um, weird cosmic world where he can't be with Gamora and he's in this world for like a hundred and some years and so he mm -hmm. actually ends up starting this relationship with these two people who uh one is a uh male and one is a female and he has this like loving relationship with them and so um in this article, they they show some pictures and they um, talk a little bit about actually, you know, the storyline and what happens. But, cue fanboy outrage, I am sure. <laughs> I can't wait to read They're that. just mad because they kind of said that they think some men are hot. Easy. Yeah. Boom. Yep. Problem solved. <laughs> Not a problem I have. I can admit when men and women are sexy AF. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, uh, that is my cheese man. I am actually very interested. I don't read Guardians, but I am very interested to read this issue. So uh, I think that it is super cool that... Marvel isn't cow-towing to a lot of the outrage that has been out there about all the SJW, um, like, liberal agenda, whatever, whatever type stuff, um, because they get that a lot. So I, I like that they're continuing to um, include, uh, uh, well, actually have in inclusivity in their storytelling um, yeah. because having the comic books reflect what is actually happening in real life around you is what I think comic books are all about. So oh, I'm, I'm going to read this book and I will report back. Excellent. I love it. <laughs> um, so nice. I wasn't going to mention this, but how do you guys feel about oh, what Disney has said they're going to do with Black Panther 2? Uh, where they're not going to recast uh, Black Panther um, as a character and they're not going to CGI Bozeman. Uh, but what they're going to do is they're going to highlight Wakanda and the other characters that they introduced in Black Panther, the first movie. What do you guys think about that? I think that's promising. I mm -hmm. think that there's there's a lot of interesting aspects about a Wakanda and uh the goings on there like i want to know more about the um Dora Milaje. uh i want to know mm -hmm. like how uh, like how they're selected into service and how, in cuz in the comics they are would be would be wives to the black mm -hmm. panther but i believe the movie is going in a different direction mm -hmm. uh, i want to know more about nadia in comic books she was actually kind of a villain mm -hmm. um uh, in um, uh, but now she's very much the heroine. I want to know, uh, kind of like what, what, how like Wakanda works basically. So and like Shuri's projects and stuff like that. Although we're not gonna get into how like, Letitia. I was. We're not gonna get into Letitia right right now. I was so um, excited about Shuri becoming Black Panther and taking on that mantle, but not after all the craziness <clears throat> we talked about last episode. So. <laughs> mm hmm. So no. we're not gonna take about talk about Letitia Wright, but Letitia Wright's job is an actress, and the character Shuri, I am interested in. So 
we'll see like where Marvel takes that and the screenwriters take that uh, and the director takes it. So I want to see more of that. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree. What do you think, Kristen? I think that it definitely would have been too soon uh, to recast the role. It would have been so awkward to just be like, um, here's a new T'Challa mm-hmm. and like not really say much about the fact that it's a completely different actor. I used to hate when they would do that in my soap operas, in my oh, daytime totally. soap operas. Yeah. I hated it. I was like, you think we don't see that this is a totally different person? <laughs> Um, but the yeah, fact... but I mean, they they did that with Iron Man with uh, what was it? Uh, Brody. Yes, exactly. Yes. We, I mean, uh, we had Terrence. Well, Howard, we just brought... mm-hmm. and then and then we had uh, I forgot his name, but he's amazing. I love him. Yeah, he, I, I don't know his Hotel name. Hotel Rwanda. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, th- it it was like we weren't supposed to notice that stuff, but it, it was there. <laughs> it was like okay, there are two different yeah. people. But with mm-hmm. this passing being so in the spotlight and with his just his caliber of acting just being so just like freaking amazing i think that he's left such a hole yeah that replacing him this early on would have definitely been a disservice to the actor that they Mm -hmm. put into the role and also to the role itself. Mm -hmm. Not saying that somewhere down the road that they might reintroduce a T'Challa with a different actor, but for now, I think it's definitely too soon. And like Jen said, Mm -hmm. there's so many other interesting characters and interesting things going on in Wakanda that we can focus on. Yes. uh, I completely agree with you guys. I mean, I I, uh, am part of the Black heroes everywhere group on facebook and when they broke out this this story this article uh there was a lot of negative uh feedback stating like oh you know bozeman was one of the one of the comments that stuck with me the most was the one that said that bozeman was was very um um envidioso not envidioso a selfish to not let everybody know about his diagnosis of cancer and I'm no, like, no one needs to know. Exactly, wow. exactly. I mean, wow. I, it was a really horrible post, and I was just like, uh, you know what? It's none of your damn business. It, yeah, I mean, I didn't like go that, even, I, but I mean, I understand you. I was outraged. I was like, how mm-hmm. could you say that? I mean, he, not only he, but like the entire crew behind Black Panther, um, brought just this amazing beacon of light to a lot of people of color including myself like i it it was just it's such an amazing movie that um for you to sit here and say oh i can't watch it anymore because i'm so upset because of bozeman being so selfish and not letting anybody know about his diagnosis first of all you don't get to to know everything about everyone even if they Mm -hmm. are stars in in hollywood um and I was just like, you know what? Um, I know people take um, death and they all have their their time for healing and they all have different time frames for healing. Uh, But maybe one day you can revisit watching Black Panther and Black Panther 2 because it's it's going to happen and I'm here for it and I'm going to support it. Um, and yes, there's a lot of wonderful characters in there and I can't I can't wait to see this movie. And as as a movie of 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 black people 
and us people of color, we should support these things. Um, there's a lot of backlash about the Selena Netflix series. I haven't watched it yet, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm like, we rarely get stuff marketed or made for us and we're just bashing it or I, I just, I don't know. I feel that I, it's a bad taste in my mouth. Like, I feel like we should try to be supportive. I mean, try yeah, it I out. haven't seen it either, but I've seen all of their critiques and backlash mm -hmm. uh, about uh, the Selena Netflix TV show. Um, so I'm actually interested to uh, read uh, to read it, to watch it just because of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, the, I mean, mm -hmm. the, and they're going to say that about everything, I guess. But, I mean... Just to read all the negativity behind the Black Panther 2 uh, information on the movie and, and all the backlash. I just, it's just, uh, it makes me sad that we can't come together as a people and like just support great cinema made for us. So that's how I feel about that. I just thought I'd bring it up because I remember the post and uh, all the comments afterwards, most of them negative and I, and I wish it wouldn't be that way. And maybe I feel that they feel hurt. Or a little bit betrayed. but I mean, I, I think that definitely there's something to be said with, uh, for the fact that it was a shock to most people. Uh, because, because of the fact that he did not share the information. And I'm not saying that he needed to share it or that he should have shared it or that it, anybody deserved to have that be shared. But I think that it was a shock to so many people because he didn't share it that this anger that that post is exhibiting mm -hmm. is just part of it's it's part of the the actual process of mourning um you're right because everybody still needs to go through those steps and uh you know, for for some people who have these kinds of illnesses, they share it and people are able to start to accept it. And they when the passing actually happens, it's not a surprise. Right. And they've already gone through those stages of mourning. Mm -hmm. But for for Chadwick, that wasn't the case. And I absolutely agree. He didn't owe that to anybody. He he didn't need to share it. He didn't have to share it. He didn't owe to anybody to share it but i can understand how fans would feel uh that not that he he owed them something but that they would feel um frustrated uh at just having this like thrust upon them out of nowhere mm -hmm. so um but yeah i definitely don't agree with the whole he was selfish thing that's like crazy yeah yeah and there was a lot of posts like that so it's, it's kind of sad and i feel like if anything we should just we should come together with something like this we should like well i'm sure we can't go to the theater but but, <laughs> but i mean we should definitely support but it's on this disney movie. plus all right yes oh my god disney plus oh my god <laughs> oh yes talk about cheese man i mean all all of the um all of the things that came out from Disney this oh, last week man. of everything that's coming and yes. the just stuff to look forward to just seems so um like awesome and amazing and I can't I can't wait to actually I can't wait to actually fucking start watching it because I've been waiting <laughs> for so long. <laughs> you 
you know, it's so funny. I mean, like uh, HBO Max is flexing flexing their muscles, but then Disney comes out with the trailers of the stuff, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my well, God. So uh, HBO Max is only offering me DC fare, and that's <laughs> like whatever. um yes uh but they have a lot of good shows in the works but i disney plus just gave me all of those trailers and i'm just like oh that just hit the spot right there because i need some new content (laughs) (laughs) all right guys it's now time for our book review and what are we reviewing today today we are reviewing Female Furies, The Fourth World Revolution by Cecile Castellucci, uh, illustrated by Adriana Mello, uh, colors by Haifi, and letters by Carlos M. Manuel. And I actually believe when I was looking up the information, uh, Adriana Mello is Brazilian. So she technically is Latinx. She is. Excellent. Uh, so, I've been wanting to dive into reading just a, just a superhero, villain, big muscles, beautiful bodies, a lot of color uh, book for a while. You know, It's just, been a while for us, actually, to even do a big two. We haven't yes. done a big two in a very long time. Yeah. It's true. So, um, I was ready for all that, uh, you know, all the fight scenes and, you know, all the... Um, like just you know popping between parallel universes and worlds and i was ready for that i was i did not expect what i read it was so <laughs> um and it's not a bad thing absolutely not um it made me angry though it mm-hmm. really made me angry yeah uh, I, oh, no, just same. to cut you off real fast i i apologize but i read probably the first half yesterday and the Ugh. second half today and yesterday after reading the first half i came home because I, I was reading it in my car uh out long story but <laughs> i was in my car and i was reading it and i came home and i told eddie oh my god this book should have had a fucking trigger warning yes i feel mm-hmm. so violated reading yes. it mm-hmm and I feel so angry. Yeah. And it, it really triggered me 100% on a million different levels. Yeah. So we've read, I don't know if for this podcast, but I know me and Kristen have read Cecil stuff before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, she, yeah, we, she, we read Soupy. We read Soupy. Soupy she did Soupy, yeah. And we read something else of hers, and I can't quite remember what it was. But she has, mm-hmm. she writes in a manner that can make you feel incensed very, very quickly. Be- and she she does a good job of kind of capturing experiences as well. I don't, uh, not experiences, but uh, she, when we read, when we read Soupy Lee's Home and she told us about it, she said that it was something that she had always kind of wanted to do. Yeah. Was just yeah. like be like a 1940 uh, <laughs> child and hops onto a train and just like hobos her way through the world. Yeah, um, and she um, did research mm-hmm. on it for four years before. Yeah, know, she was, did. Like, and it, so uh, yeah. So how she wrote Female Furies kind of 
I don't want to think about it and I don't want to like put stuff in her words but I but at the same time I'm just like most women have experienced some form of sexual harassment Mm -hmm. whether it be severe or down to like I don't well I personally I don't think that uh like I think all forms of sexual harassment are severe because it's such an invasion of personal space yeah and and Mm -hmm feelings of like being in control that it's all big but there's definitely kind of like severity Mm -hmm. to it um but um uh it just the way she wrote it kind of like reminded me of some stuff that had happened and i was just like well damn uh this is definitely a like a woman's experience kind of thing um and it it's it i'm not upset at the book but I am upset about the experiences depicted because mm-hmm. I, it's something that a lot of women have gone through, whether they like to admit it or not. Uh, I, yes, I 100%, sorry to cut you off, but I 100% agree with you what you mm-hmm. said when you said you're not upset at the book, but you're upset at what it depicts because multiple times I had to stop myself when I was reading it because I was getting so incensed at what I was reading and I had to remind myself at who wrote it and what her goals were for writing it this way because Mm -hmm. um, it was just so misogynistic (laughs) and so sexist Mm -hmm. and so and I had to keep reminding myself a woman wrote this and she wrote this to highlight that this happens every fucking day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in a manner. Absolutely. Yeah. In a manner, the events in the book were exaggerated by a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, there's always, I mean, it's a comic book. It has to be exaggerated. And of course there's like, uh, it's in a like different world and a different planet. Uh, first of all, I think I should break down what the female furies are. The female yes. furies are an elite fighting force that fights for dark side, <laughs> or how I, how me and Kristen like to personally call him, dark seed, <laughs> thanks to a lady. Um, but uh, who are um, uh, they were trained by Granny Goodness, who is the overseer to the like orphanage and to orphans and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and. She, she basically trains all the orphans to become warriors. And yeah. then she handpicks and selects a few uh, of the girls to become the female furies, which are like an elite fighting force that's made up of all women. Mm-hmm. Um, however, on Apocalypse, it seems the status of being a woman is very archaic. Uh, and they constantly have to prove themselves. And this is what the book... Uh, this is what the book depicts. It is the female furies trying to gain mm-hmm. notoriety, but being unable to do so because they are women. Right. Uh, and it's in an, in its own way, it's kind of a very cut and dry, um, uh, like uh, women being discriminated against kind of story, but mm-hmm. taken to another level and in a very comic book, a uh, story format. So, well, for one, I was kind of very surprised uh, that oh, DC would even print something like this because they tend to, yeah, they tend to kind of just brush stuff off a lot, mm-hmm. and considering that a lot of their uh, creators have been, con- uh, um, uh, 
whatchamacallit, accused, and some of them have been, you know, mm-hmm. actually fired for yes. sexual harassment. Yes. So, I don't know exactly what their end game was for this book, but above all, I kind of liked it. I think my... I think my biggest issue with the book was probably how Big Barda was represented, uh-huh. but that's because I love Big Barda uh, from the Mr. Miracle comics, and mm-hmm. also from a couple of other comics as well, where she's just, she's really cool. But it did make me like look back and examine, like, Big Barda served under Apocalypse for a pretty long time, and how she grew up, so she had to go through a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think another thing that maybe I didn't really like about the about the comic was just how not exactly how her and Scott's relationship started because I'm I actually like her and Scott's relationship a lot. Right. It's 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 really really good. I cannot okay. First of all, I cannot recommend Mister Miracle by Tom King. Yeah. Enough. It is such a good book. I'm actually I- very grateful that I've I read that before I read this, because it it put a lot of things in perspective for me and it helped me to understand a lot more about what was going on. Yeah, but I think yeah, I think maybe people should read Mister Miracle first and see mm-hmm. where Big Barda is, mm-hmm. and now kind of and then read uh, Female Furies and to see where. Big Bardo was. Yes. I think um, uh, I think if they read this first and then they read Mr. Miracle, they, uh, Big Barda herself would not come across as uh, nearly as much as I like her uh, enough. And I think that's kind of the only thing that saved me from utterly hating her. Because I, <laughs> I just, I know, I love Big Barda. And it, it hurt a little bit to read the book yeah. and how she was interpreted. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it did make me mm-hmm. think about like, okay, like, realistically, she came from this place, and she was a part of it uh-huh. for a pretty long time. Yeah. So there's definitely some influences there that she had to overcome. And this is what the story is about, is just her overcoming her own. And I think it does a good reflection a lot about women today, too. Mm-hmm. Is that a lot of women have to look and examine themselves and think about how, one, how they interpret misogyny. And how they perpetuate misogyny, whether it be intentional or unintentional. Yes, as because well. a theme that actually occurred in this book was over and over again ongoing, which was one of the things that was so frustrating, was there was the leader of the Furies was being raped. Yes. And, Consistently and, and over and over again, she was being raped. Yes. And she actually went to the rest of the Furies and told them what was happening and they didn't believe her. Yeah, and, they victim blamed. They're like, yeah, they victim blamed. And why, why do you get to do this? Uh, I would I would be I would uh, what's it? Uh, I would uh, trade places with you in a minute. Yeah. And it was so frustrating to keep reading those scenes over and over again but I had to remind myself 
for those of you who may not know, I actually spent a, a large part of my professional career working with sexual assault and domestic violence organizations. And it actually is very common for women to victim blame because if they, if women, if we as women can identify what it was that an actual sexual assault victim did to cause it, to happen to her, mm -hmm. like wear a short skirt or drink too much or go to his apartment. If we can identify what she did to make it happen to her and for it to be her fault, yep. then that takes away the fear from us because as long as we just don't do those things, it won't happen to us. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually experienced that type of victim blaming, blaming, very often when I would when I would actually um, go out and do presentations in the community, uh, a lot of women were some of the the harshest critics yep. of victims because yep. and and I can understand the psychology behind it because if we as a uh, if if I as a woman can pinpoint what it was that that woman did to make mm -hmm. it happen to her, then as long as I just don't do that thing, then I'm fine. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. um, it takes it, a it lot. Was, yeah. But it was okay. hard to read. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in this book. Like, I mean, like, honestly, serious, I'm not even joking. Like, I want to look at the single issues to see, were there trigger warnings here? Because, I mean, there was so many triggers in these books. Like, it was, it was hard to read, but it was also very, um, like, at the same time, it, it, it didn't falter on me that wow like cecil is was actually able to write this in a dc book in a big two dc book mm -hmm. and when you read at the very end of this of this book is the actual original origin that uh that kirby did uh -huh. And so that inspired you, this series. That inspired yeah. this series. And you can actually, after reading the series, read that one issue and you see a lot of the parallels mm -hmm. of how she took those ideas and weaved them into this new origin that she created. And um and so I as I like I said, as I was reading that, I was just trying, even though through the through the like anger and annoyance of reading what I was reading was reminding myself like this is actually a big step in the 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 positive marks for feminism mm -hmm. um as opposed to what we're actually reading is happening mm -hmm. so it, it it was it was it was a tough read like it I didn't expect just like you said Jen I didn't ex or Sarah I didn't expect to read what I read in this book yeah, because um, I mean, I've seen the animated series because I, I, I haven't. Wait, really... there's an animated series? No, no, no. I mean, what I'm saying is that I, I never read anything on the female furies except oh. was presented through the animated series out there, and I thought they were badass. It was great. They're I mean, sisterhood, yeah, they are. sisterhood, like all this stuff. But I was really hurt that they would victim blame Aureli. And saying that it was her fault or that she didn't understand. And then Granny Goodness just sending her off as a sex slave. Like, it just really bothered me. Like, like you're so fucking badass. You are the captain. You are the captain of the fucking female Furies and, and of the Furies, period, on Apocalypse. And, 
and and this guy is fucking raping you and and a man i don't well it took so much of me not to say like why didn't you just gut him i mean like <laughs> oh god i would have like fucking just taken my knife and just fucking just went to town on you um but she was bound by duty and mm-hmm. it just made me see dark side as a fucking tool i mean he didn't do jack shit about anything and they basically all the men all the men in, in power did not give a fuck about sorry i just i'm so mad they didn't give a crap <laughs> uh, for any of the women and they work so hard they work twice as hard as any regular male mm-hmm. counterpart and they still can't uh, file a complaint they still can't get their voices heard or anything and the end made me happy because it, it was kind of like okay we're gonna see a new beginning something new's gonna happen and all of that but Oh, God, reading about even Granny Goodness. I felt so bad for her. Oh, she's, yeah, I she's, feel bad for her, but she's a straight-up bitch. She, no, yeah, <laughs> she, she's a twisted motherfucker, but oh, my God. like Oh, she's a, like that one character in, um, in what's that uh, Hulu series with the, um, with the hoods and the... <laughs> oh, and uh, the, oh, oh, uh, oh, oh. Um, from, uh, fuck. What is the code? <laughs> Oh my god, but yes, the Had, red handmaid's tail. Handmaid's tail. Yes, yes. Yeah. she's like mm-hmm. the the woman there. She's yes. exactly like her. Yeah. It's... The, the one that is actually the one that's training them and doing all that stuff yes. to go off and be. Yes. That's what this book is. It's Handmaid's Tale, but like comic book form. Yes. And, and literally a it. lot of death and a lot of. Oh, oh my god. It's, yeah, Handmaid's Tale. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. It is Honestly, that, I think yes. it didn't have a trigger warning because of the editorial processing. Because of, like, how they decide. Like, if you... When you think about it, like, maybe... Like, Cecile wrote this, but who is printing it? Who would mm-hmm. think that this needs a trigger warning? Uh, it's usually the people in editing yeah, who need to do it. And most of DC's editors are... Males. Yeah. So they don't they don't I I honest to God think that a lot of people who read this would be like, Oh, that doesn't happen to women. Oh. Like that's so exaggerated. <laughs> like, no, it happens and it's just like you don't realize just how much it happens or like that it's happened to you. I know there's a lot of women who think that they haven't been sexually harassed and that when you ask them the question, Have you ever felt your personal space invaded or violated by a man? A lot of them will say yes. Yep. And that is that that's that in itself, that thing right there can be sexual harassment. Absolutely. And I, think, mm-hmm. I mean there was that one panel where uh all the Furies are there and they're all like, you know, have you ever been have you ever felt invisible? Have you ever, you know uh, all these other things and every one of them said yes. And mm-hmm. that's and that's actually what brought them together and said okay we gotta fight this we can't go on and oh god those every time i saw those freaking grins of those people that were under right under apocalypse uh i was just like oh i hate you i just want to just why can't you die but um i guess in the end the ending was uh inspirational and i guess it was uh it came around and um resolved itself but Dude, 
It was hard to <laughs> it was hard to read. It was very hard to read. Yes. yes. I, I mean, yeah. I felt so bad for uh, Aria uh, Arelli, like just so very bad. Like it, she was completely alone and it obviously I mean, it was a it was a physical assault, but it obviously took hold of her emotional and and um and um just she just it it just it seemed like she couldn't go on, and that yeah. was it broke her spirit, and that mm-hmm. is what made me so sad, and the fact that Granny Goodness, who was supposed to be like her ally, her you know the person that she that led her and the Furies, her matron, just, yeah, just gave, gave just turned her back on her, and then. And then her pe- the people that she grew up with and trained with in battle, and they would turn their back on her too. And it just made me so angry, so very angry. And when she finally found a solution, it was taken away from her and then ultimately was a horrible, horrible ending for her. But I mean, it just, it was like, I just, I, I didn't want her to suffer anymore. It was, it, and let me just say, nowhere in this book that we see any of that duplicit in the art. Yeah. It, it was, was all inferred. Yeah. It was all it inferred. was all inferred. It was and on I the think, dialogue. It was yeah. Yeah. And I think that is that is how starship because a lot of um uh, media that when they try to depict sexual harassment really just like they're like, hey, like like it's almost voyeuristic in how they depict it. Um when that's not really what we want to do, it's just, it's, it can be easily inferred. And Cecile and the artists, they did a great job of just inferring it as well. We never had to see it, but even then, just inferring it caused such a visceral reaction in me. Well, because it was, it was, there was nothing explicit. This, this book doesn't need an ex- like I think have the like stipulations for an explicit rating, but I feel like it should have one because yeah. of the inferations uh that were in there that any most women will understand. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm looking at the back cover and there is no M for mature. There's no rating whatsoever, like Teen Plus or anything, which a lot of comics do have. Um, these days, but I think that. Uh, for me, one of the things that was super interesting and shocking was that uh, at the end we get a copy of Mr. Miracle number nine, which um, Jack Kirby's Mr. Miracle number nine, which was um, what basically Cecile or Cecil actually kind of took a lot of her ideas and you can you can read when you're reading that issue you can see that a lot of the parallels that she took and she expanded upon um but what was actually interesting to me was a lot of the uh themes were there uh back in the day when jack kirby wrote this storyline they were still there like for example there was a a scene where um granny goodness was next in line for one of the major um roles and somebody was like oh well dark side was like okay well what are we gonna do and somebody was like well you know granny goodness is the person who uh technically is next in line but you know i have a nephew a young nephew who doesn't have any experience but you know like he could do it and dark side was like okay appoint him right right and oh my god 
was so mad. Yes. I was so mad. But in my mind, I was like, even back then, he was trying to say this shit happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This this freaking happens every day. I actually, I really appreciate them reprinting that issue of uh, the original Mr. Kirby by, um, uh, uh, sorry, I said Mr. Kirby, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Miracle, Miracle. Yeah. by Kirby, yeah. yeah, uh, because it you can see like a lot of uh, what um uh, Cecil had to uh work with and where a lot of it came from yes. and where a lot of it could be inferred as well, mm-hmm. and I just. I really like it because it gives uh, a voice to the female furies and just kind of like to the culture of apocalypse as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought it was really cool and um, above all the the book upset me, but it upset me in a I think a manner that it was engineered to. But yes. uh, overall, I would recommend this book. To oh yes, people. absolutely. Um, yeah. So I'm ready to read it. If yes, you guys are ready to read yeah, it. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm definitely ready. You go ahead first. Okay, so this is Jen. I'm gonna give it. Um, I'm actually stuck between two and three, but I think I'm gonna go with two conchas, um, uh, because the the book upset me, and the, there is like a a couple of story plots. I don't really like how Scott and Big Barda's relationship started. I felt I felt like there should have been more. I I felt like there should have been more, but. The story overall and Big Barda's progression through the book as well, I did like. Um, as well as like a lot of what the book had to impart to the reader as well. So I'm going to give it two conchas. Um, this is Sarah. And I'm going to give it uh, two and a half. Uh, because I really love the art. I love that whole kind of like old x-men 1990s look (laughs) it was kind of a throwback um i love the fact that they gave us some back manner on granny goodness i i like that it made me angry so it made me feel something really strong when i was reading this and um usually i can read it without feeling too engrossed in it but this one just made me freaking angry i wanted to throw someone across the room and stab a man and so <laughs> I, I feel, and some of these things uh, did happen to me, like, you know, when they like touch your butt or, you know, like they, they think it's okay to put their hand on your ass. I fucking hate that shit. And the groping, so, yeah. Yeah, the groping. And so it made me feel something. And I was just really angry about that. And um, so I'm going to give it two and a half conchas because it was a kind of a strong, powerful reaction to the book. Okay, so this is Kristen, and I'm going to give it three conchas. I actually liked the the progression and the the storyline that we got with Scott and Big Barda. I liked her character development. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, in the beginning she was um, it, it, she was unlikable. Yes, but the fact that she grew and she learned and she she evolved i actually appreciated and the fact that i had read mr miracle actually in my mind that's what i saw when i was reading like this is the end game this is what's actually gonna happen and so i just like 
what I was reading, I kind of like wrapped it around what I already knew. So, um, I appreciated that and it, it actually, uh, it, it made me more endeared to her that like, yeah, this, like, this was something she really freaking believed in. Like the Furies was like her shit. And that was like who she was. And it, it defined her. And, um, mm -hmm. the fact that she actually was able to see the flaws in the Furies and to see the flaws in what she was being taught and 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 what she believed in actually um I appreciated that and mm. so um yes I 100% recommend that you read Mr. Miracle um it's a 12 issue limited series that you can read all in one trade paperback and it is freaking amazing um mr miracle then, is so fucking good yes it's so good it's tom king um but reading that first and then reading this actually was very helpful and i had been wanting to read this for so long because after reading uh mr miracle i was endeared to big barda's character and i wanted to learn more about her and this actually um was was very um satisfying to me um and reading that last issue which was kirby's issue of mr miracle was also very satisfying to see the progression of just freaking comics oh like, yeah mm -hmm. uh, that to me was honestly super super awesome so i give it three conchas and i highly recommend that you read um mr miracle as well and then come back and read female furies Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's our stipulation you have to read Mr. Yeah. <laughs> Miracle okay look Mr. Miracle is really 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 good it's so good alright guys it's now time for On My Radar and Kristen what is on your radar okay so this week on my radar is something that is not out in comic stores yet but you have so long to be able to plan for it and go to your lcs and put it on your um put it on your pull list it was actually on foc this last week which is final order cutoff i ordered 20 copies so if you want it and you're in the la area it will be at heidi ho comics but it is a new series from aftershock excuse me, that will launch in 2021, January 2021, and it is called Scout's Honor. Now, if you've been listening to Commodity Comics for any amount of time, you know that my jam is post-apocalyptic comics. Walking Dead was my my entryway, my gateway comic. Um, I love Why the Last Man. I love all of the post-apocalyptic stories that you can feed me and Scout's Honor by Aftershock Comics is a post-apocalyptic story that is coming from Aftershock in January 2021 and it is mm. um, written by David um, I never know how to pronounce his last name um, Pepos there you go and, and he yelled from the other room <laughs> David Pepos um, he uh, is the writer of um, L Spencer and Locke Locke and Spencer I never remember but anyway Spencer that and is Locke Spencer and Locke that is the uh, the way that he um, that he uh, talks about it 
that he markets it is that it is Calvin and Hobbes um, in a like gritty noir cops like buddy cop like <laughs> story. Um, but uh, this book, Scout's Honor, um, is a series that has built itself in the aftermath of a nuclear war with one artifact of the before times as its guiding light. Guess what that artifact is? It is a Boy Scouts manual. So basically these people, <laughs> this like cult-like group has taken a Boy Scout manual and has utilized that to rebuild society after a nuclear war. But there is something that happens. Kit who is the protagonist of the book, she has, or they have a secret um, that could upend the entire <clears throat> society in one fell swoop. Uh, in a harsh survivalist society that only allows men to serve, mm. Kit has concealed her identity as a woman to pursue her calling as a ranger scout. So this young woman has joined the ranger scouts, but she's hiding the fact that she is a woman. Um, and so during this time, she comes across some like secret that the, 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 uh, manual is hiding or that the cult that she's joined is hiding and so basically the storyline revolves around what is she going to do with this information that she has learned and wow. also how is she going to continue to hide the fact that she has boobies so <laughs> i am so excited about this series it comes out in january and aftershock is offering this freaking cool um, marketing thing where they have little patches, embroidered patches that they are <laughs> offering for every single issue. And oh. right now I think there's like 12 or 14 issues that they are going to be offering these uh, embroidered patches. So Heidi Ho is going to get some of the patches because we ordered enough of number one to be able to qualify for it. But I cannot wait. And so this is on my radar and it's coming up and you all have the enough... Um, enough time to go to your LCS no matter where you're at in the world and tell them you want to put Scouts Honor on your pool. Awesome. That sounds super awesome. And the patches, oh, like merit patches, right? It's yes. going to be awesome. Yes. Oh my God, yes. that's super cool. <laughs> I've always wanted to be a Girl Scout. You weren't a Girl Scout? You're not even a brownie? No, no I, I didn't do any of that stuff. No. No. I was only a brownie. I never crossed the bridge. Oh. Which is what they call it when you go from brownie to Girl Scout, you cross the bridge. <laughs> Aww. And now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. And today, Kristen has some Juntos y Fuertes that we like to highlight at this time. Yes, at this time. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to talk about a website that is actually um, super cool. It is uh, run by a Brazilian uh, creator and is called outandaboutcomics.com. And so this website was started by, um, oh, hold on. This website was started by by Chris Bars, and um, they 
actually have a webcomic called um, Chris Gunna, Krista Gunna, and um, it's super cool, and I read a couple of the, the little, uh, like, what are they called, episodes, no, issues, no, webcomics, I don't know, but um, <laughs> on outandaboutcomics.com, they talk about the reason that they started the website, so they said that Out and About was born as an idea in 2012. I always liked writing and drawing stories, so illustration and comics were a natural outlet for my artistic expression. When I grew older, I thought there were no gay characters I could relate to in the comics I used to read. After I came out to myself and also felt that there weren't real representations of the gay culture in my country, or at least the one I'm familiar with, and of LGBT issues in general, I decided then to create my own stories and characters based on what I knew. I wanted to tell stories about LGBT issues in a way that is informative but also fun, showing my characters day-by-day life, struggles with friendships, relationships, family, work, and so on. Situations that are common to everyone. So, um, and the thing that I thought that was super uh, interesting as well, and this was just a happy coincidence, is that uh, Chris um, I believe is also Brazilian. So when he talks about um, in his country, he's talking about um, Brazil. So um, outandaboutcomics.com has a um, a whole bunch of cool, interesting things, um, some web comics that you can read about, and a whole bunch of cool stuff that you can look at. And I actually loved what I've read so far so definitely go to outandaboutcomics.com yeah it's really cool I'm looking at it right now and there's a lot of really great uh, uh, comic strips on the website they're super colorful and I could already relate to some of these that I've read (laughs) really good really really good Uh, so yeah that's uh, thank you so much for bringing that up. I'm going to look into this because this looks really amazing. Um, thank you so much for that. Out and about comics.com. And now it's time for In La Libreria. <gasps> Ooh, a new segment, guys. Our new segment. <laughs> yes, we have a new segment. Take it away, Jen. So, In La Libreria is what we are calling our new segment to highlight books that we uh, we have found on Kickstarter that we think deserve support uh, and to be highlighted because they carry, like, genuinely interesting things. So, for today's En La Libreria, we have Fuego Lento, novela gráfica de Ricardo Peláez. Impresión y publicación de la antología de cómics Fuego Lento del ilustrador y autor mexicano Ricardo Peláez Coyocachea. So, it's in Spanish. And it is being done by Pura Pinche Fortaleza Comics. Ooh, I love it. It. <laughs> That's some cool so, name. <laughs> yes, it, it is. It is really cool. But it is a Mexican publishing company that is specifically focusing on Ricardo Peláez, who is one of like the people who made historietas or comic books, the it thing in Mexico. Oh wow! Um, yes. So it uh it is specifically reprinting Fuego Lento, which was one of the original like kind of uh historietas that were or comics that were published in the twenty first century uh in Mexico. 
Uh, and it's it's something that I had never heard of. And then I came across it on Kickstarter as I was like looking stuff up and looking because I like to have a, I like to have at least one project backed uh, at least like um, uh, for the month. And this one is super interesting because I had never heard of him, but it's it's generally seems very very interesting and something that I think deserves attention. So they have a seven thousand four hundred fifty goal, and they but right now they're about a third no a third or a fourth of the way to it. They have uh two thousand four hundred forty four dollars pledged as of today with seventy three backers, and they still have thirty three days to go. Oh wow! So you just need to put. Fuego Lento, F-U-E-G-O-L-E-N-T-O, um, uh, which in English translates to um, uh, slow fire, mm-hmm. or maybe like slow burn. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I think it's more like slow burn. I say Fuego Lento, uh, I think would be like a slow slow burn and stuff like that. Um, and I was looking through it, and it it looks really interesting and really like old school like uh, mexican style like comics or just like old school in general i i think it's it's genuinely very interesting uh they charge you in um, um in pesos oh really uh, yeah they the, yeah when you pledge it's good, it has it in pesos but underneath it it says like what it actually is uh and the first base pledge is uh, 100 pesos or about five dollars for us. Wow! So yeah, nice. my money's mm-hmm. gonna go far on this Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that it will. <laughs> and then the next one up is two hundred pesos or about ten dollars. Uh, and this one you get you get the you get the print version of the book. Uh, oh wow, that's cheap. That's what you, yeah, it's ten dollars for the print book. That's yeah. pretty cheap. Um, and the the original one, the five dollar one, was just like supporting them without mm-hmm. like really expecting anything. But it's it because it's in because it's in pesos. It it kind of translates well to us here in the states, or that are outside of like Central America if they can afford it. Um, um, but the fact that they've gone so far already, I think, speaks very well for the comic itself. So, uh. Highly, highly recommend this, if anything, just for the historical value of it as well. But it generally looks interesting. And if you want to know more about comics history in Mexico, I think this would be a great and interesting piece. So, Fuego Lento Novela Gráfica de Ricardo Peláez. That awesome. sounds super cool. Yeah, I was looking at the art. Definitely kind of a throwback. So, I'm, I'm very excited about this. All right, guys, and it's now time for saludos. And saludos goes out to Mex Americon 2020. <gasps> Yay! 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 That actually happened December 12, 2020. It was uh, Central Standard Time. It started at 11 a.m. and ended about uh, 5.17 um, p.m. Central Standard Time. And they had a lot of really great panels. And, like, I didn't know if I mentioned this, but I, I actually moderated uh, the Latinx Perspective in Science Fiction um, nice. and, panel, and it was really awesome. Um, but I, I'm not sure if uh, the uh, content will be available on the website after the fact that it happened. Uh, but they took on a full day of just panels and 
uh, and stuff like that. So uh, I, I actually had a great time watching those panels. They were really, they had a lot of great graphics between the panels. So they did an amazing job. And that just goes to show that no two virtual conventions are alike. So whenever you get a chance to participate in a, or be just a spectator in a comic, virtual comic convention, I think it is great if you actually look into that because, again, you can find so many creators and a lot of great panels with a lot of information and a lot of stuff to learn. So um, I, I learned a lot from watching this panel. Uh, Kevin Garcia moderated one about uh, the Aztecs. And it was it, it wasn't really a panel. It was just him talking and just teaching the audience about certain aspects of the calendar and how it worked and the language. And it was just I was like, OK, I honestly got to say I wasn't going to watch it. It just came on while I was kind of like, you know, doing stuff at home. And I was like, oh, wait, this is really interesting. And I actually just <laughs> just sat there and just watched the whole thing. And I was like, wow, this is so intriguing. It just. It was really great. So they did an amazing job. So saludos out to them. Thank you for an amazing virtual convention 2020. All right, guys, it's now uh, the end of this episode. Where can they find us, girls? As always, you can find us on Facebook at Comic Commodities and on Instagram at Commodity Comics. You can find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres, where you can DM us as well with any interesting news or, you know, comics as well. Awesome. You can email us directly at comadresycomics at gmail.com. And you could also find us on our YouTube channel, Comic uh, uh, Comadres y Comics, where we do Las Platicas episodes, where we interview amazing artists, creators, publishers, and all that all around creative people where you can learn more about their their um, their projects and more about their company and more about what they are trying to do with the community and how they are highlighting their projects as well. So check that out. Um, I think that brings us to the end of our episode. Don't forget, you can always find us on the periodnetwork.com where there are other wonderful podcasts by women for everyone. We have, yes, but before you sign off, I want to also remind people we are still having our, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but if you do a review on um, Apple Podcasts or I think you can also do it on, on um, YouTube, but if you do a review on our podcast on any of your streaming services, we will enter you into a contest to win the um, bilingual edition of Quince, which is an amazing graphic novel mm-hmm. written by Sebastian Kadlecik, uh, or he created by Sebastian Kadlecik, and written by the Stein Kellner uh, sisters, written and drawn. And they um, did an amazing job with the story about mm-hmm. Lupe, who is a 15-year-old girl who discovers she has superhero powers on her quinceanera. So if you do a review, we will enter you into a contest where we will pull a winner and you will win the hardcover edition of Quince. And it is signed by all of the creators uh, as in addition to a lot of the contributors to the back matter, um, which is super cool. So 
review our podcast. Um, doesn't have to be a good review. Could be any review, uh, and you will be entered. Absolutely. And I did a little bit of digging. I thought we could uh, have reviews on all the streaming platforms, but they all go through um, iTunes. So you have to log into your iTunes um, and then that way you can um, review and rate our podcast. And that review will go on to feed into uh, iHeartRadio um pandora and spotify but if you like and subscribe and review our podcast on the youtube channel that'll pop right up so all you have to do is sign in and you'll be able to rate and review us there and be entered into our contest so hopefully you guys will take the time to rate review us and uh and then you could be entered into our, our contest. Thank you so much for listening. Please stay safe out there. You know it's really crazy right now. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.